Good afternoon. Welcome to the Final Final Bell here on the Rural Radio Network. I'm Susan Littlefield. Today broadcasting from the Nebraska Soybean Board Studio, which is brought to you by the Nebraska Soybean Farmers and their checkoff. And no surprise, we will be talking some beans today, some pork, and a whole lot more. As Arlen Suderman joins us today from FC Stone. Lots of things happening in the world. Japan, China, impeachment. All have their fingers in this pie we call grains today, Arlen. Yeah, I thought you were going to use that pork and beans line with China. I was going to wait till the second half, but we'll get to that. Yeah, I blew it then, didn't I? You did. That's okay. Yeah, it really has been. And we were sensing some uh, change in sentiment in the broader commodity sector. If you look at the continuous commodity index, uh, the Thomson Reuters continuous commodity index, which is weighted about half ag. It's got a sector in there of energies and some softs and some other commodities, um, along with livestock. And it has been in a downtrending channel ever since May 24th of 2018 when this trade war really escalated and got going. The funds have made a lot of money shorting the commodity complex, especially the ags, and that has continued. Well, that was showing signs of breaking out of that downtrending channel, breaking through the top of it uh, as of yesterday. Uh, but today... Day. It was right back in there with the commodities getting sold. We did end up kind of mixed on corn, but soybeans and wheat in negative territory outside of Minneapolis market, uh, which has its own story with uh, snows falling on unharvested wheat in the Canadian prairies. Um, and, and we saw some strength in the protein complex and meat complex, which we can talk about. But outside of that, the commodities were really getting hit today, and the grains were part of that, particularly corn and soybeans, uh, because the, the kind of the assumption that if a president is fighting impeachment, his resources are going to that, and he will be seen as a weaker negotiator, negotiating trade agreements from a position of weakness. And um, that timing coming just ahead of the next round of trade talks with China. Now, President Trump was doing everything he could to try to uh, suggest otherwise. He, he was at the United Nations meeting with the president of Japan, try, announcing a partial trade deal. You know, we don't normally announce partial trade deals or the first part of a trade deal, but he was trying to do everything he could ahead of the China trade talks to demonstrate I'm still a strong leader, I can still negotiate deals. Um, and trying to give that illusion and impression. It worked for the stock market today, uh, particularly after the transcripts of the Ukrainian uh, phone conversations came out. The stock market rallied, uh, and uh, we saw that uh, certainly bolster things. But the uh, commodity sector, really not uh, impressed to this point. You know, there's been so much talk leading up to this about where we're at with trade. I think it's been a dominant factor you know, every single day, but now it seems like the, the heat's been turned up and the fire's there to get some sort of deal done as soon as possible. Uh, it does. Now, we know that this whole trade dispute is having a big negative economic impact on China. I've argued from the start that I felt like they were willing to endure that pain if necessary to not have to give up on their longer-term goals. They're looking 50 to 100 years out, whereas they know that President Trump won't be president more than eight years. Um, So they're looking at this long-term. 
However, um, President Trump has been effective at getting many companies who are manufacturing goods in China to leave China. Uh, and many of these manufacturing companies are saying, even if there is a trade deal, we expect the Chinese government to cheat on it, and so we're going to be right back in this whole thing again. We're just going to move to Vietnam or to Thailand or somewhere else in East Asia to set up operations, and then we won't have to worry about that anymore. And that is undermining the strength and the foundation of China's economy. So th- there's some motivation there. The second thing is the Hong Kong pro-democracy demonstrations. That is a real threat to China at this point. They'd like to be able to deal with that, but if they deal with that harshly at, before having a trade deal with the United States, they can be assured they probably won't get a trade deal and uh, they'll be experiencing some of the wrath of the world and they would like to get the attention off of them, um, which is focused on them right now with, with the trade war going on so they can deal with that. And then finally African swine fever, which continues to create shortages of meat and and uh, a surge in food inflation inside of China. And so they would like to be able to focus on that. And so getting this trade spat off the table would allow them to focus more on that. So that's their incentive. President Trump's incentive is to be able to deliver a deal uh, in the year ahead of the election, his re-election campaign, so that he can run on that, so that he can see the stock market take off in theory, um, the economy really get energized again, because it's very difficult to uh, to unelect a president who has a strong economy going, as what history tells us. So he would like to see that happen. So both leaders have some incentive to get something done. Uh, but as I was indicating, if we don't get something over the next couple of months, I don't think that it will happen before the um, before the election. So I think this is a crucial period, a narrow window. I remain skeptical, but I do think that there is an opportunity here in the short run to get something done. Well, it just seems like there's pressure from all angles. And then you throw in the producer and a looming harvest just adding to that pressure even more. Yeah, it really is, and it's becoming a very bad harvest uh, in many ways. Bad meaning a muddy harvest after a muddy start, and that's a that's a real concern for farmers, especially up through the central part of the Midwest into the northwestern Midwest. And we're going to dive more into that, and of course, we'll look at the livestock side as well. Stick around, more is coming up. It is the Wednesday version of the Fontenelle Final Bell right here on the Rural Radio Network. Welcome back to the Fondale Final Bell here on the Rural Radio Network. I'm Susan Littlefield as Arlen Suderman joins us for part two. As we left for commercial break, you heard uh, talk about the harvest, some frustrations and some struggles that are happening. Huge storms, Arlen, moving through last night in the upper Midwest. I know that we got rains here in Nebraska. Our thoughts and prayers to those folks in western Wisconsin as they got hit with more severe weather and tornadoes that did a lot of damage as well. This is not something our producers need at this point. They just want to get this crop out of the ground. Yeah, and we're seeing the rivers come back out of their banks, and especially where the levees were damaged earlier this year, water spreading over farms once again, and and uh, let alone just the muddiness. It's no fun to harvest in the mud. I remember that very clearly, and it's just very frustrating and uh, stretching farmers 
Um, so that's going to certainly affect morale, let alone really delay the harvest. And right now it looks like heavy rains over the coming week. Uh, really f- to the north and to the west of a line stretching from Kansas City uh, up toward Detroit, that whole region. Now, western part of Nebraska will probably not so wet, parts of South Dakota, um, but really the core production areas uh uh, that are covered in that significant production areas are going to be impacted. And we're getting to a time of year when soils don't dry out very quickly. And, and I, I mentioned that's the next week and, and really looks like the next 10 days are looking wet. Then we see a little bit of a drying out period and then it looks like in longer range models showing some more heavy moisture coming in with some, some big rainfall totals. So it's very concerning. And then we get north of the border in the southern Canadian prairies where very little wheat has been harvested to this point, and they're expecting heavy snows. Um, and so that's why the Minneapolis wheat market's really been on fire over the past week, is all the harvest problems they're having. Some, to some extent, the northern plains, but most of that crop is harvested. Not all, most of it is. But the Canadian prairies, very little is harvested, and, and that's a significant amount of the world's quality wheat that's plant growing up there, and that's uh, real concerning to them. Well, you know, you talk about this, and we knew that the the weather was going to really start to continue to be even more of a strong factor in getting this crop out of the ground. But I think we, were, we thought we were saved a little bit when it came to any frost or snow talk, but it seems to be factored back into the weather forecast. Yeah, and there is some chance of frost, uh, particularly Minnesota and portions of the Dakotas as we get later into next week. Uh, the models don't show a lot of confidence in it right now, but they're increasingly starting to show that risk. And so it is something that we're going to have to watch because um, not much of that crop is mature up there, the corn or soybeans. The soybeans are further along than what is the corn. But the soybeans are probably also more vulnerable right now than the corn uh, as far as dropping temperatures within the plant canopy. Um, but uh, certainly it's one more challenge for this year's crops. Jump over to the livestock side as we talk about pork and beans. Uh, we know that African swine fever, a fifth um, case of disease reported in South Korea. As you look at Asia and, and the frustration and the need to feed people, how much of this is going to play in? Are we going to start to see a pickup possibly in purchases of pork from the U.S.? Well, that's the expectation now. The market's been waiting for it. And now to this point, we have seen a sizable amount of uh, purchases by China that they are slowly shipping on a weekly basis. To date, they have purchased around 280,000 metric tons. But the talk is now that there's another package coming of up to 100,000 tons in one package. That, to put a little perspective on it, that's equivalent roughly to 1 million head of hogs, or 40% of this week's expected kill. So that's a significant increase, and we've been anticipating that because of African swine fever that we would start to see imports out of the United States pick up in the fourth quarter. We're almost to the fourth quarter. Probably won't show up in tomorrow's weekly export sales report, but we'll be looking for it to show up perhaps in the next couple of weeks if things go as what we're hearing from our sources inside of China. So is the quietness going to continue for this cattle market this week? Well, I think it is getting some lift from the from the hog industry right now. It's really interesting to watch this cattle market. We have basically brought the product market back down to where it was prior to the Tyson fire. 
meaning we've kind of normalized supplies from that from the market standpoint. On the other hand, the uh, live cattle futures price is slowly making its way back up to levels where it was prior to the Tyson fire. And the feeder cattle market is already above where it was when the Tyson fire happened back in August. So this market is getting back to normal. We had a solid slaughter last week, uh, good numbers overall. And now if we can uh, get some strength in pork exports, that can help the beef as well. And the Japan trade deal should help beef as well longer term. Lots of things to look at in this market today as we head into the down homeward stretch of the week. What's the best way for folks to get a hold of you, Arlen? INTLFCStone.com or over on Twitter at twitter.com slash Arlen, A-R-L-A-N, F is in Frank, F is in Frank, 101. That's the Fontenelle Final Bell brought to you by Fontenelle and all the local dealers. You can check out more through the podcast as well on your Android or Apple. Listening to the World Radio Network.